All right. Good morning, John Howe. Kambuka, my friend. Yes. Um, so, first story today, John Howe, has to do with Mike Tyndall. Tell me about him. I'll tell you what I what, what you know about him. Yeah. What I know about Mike Tyndall is probably as large as a thimble because uh, I don't like Mike Tyndall. Mike Mike Tyndall. Mike Tyndall. Well, he's uh, and his associate um, uh, James Haskell. Not my favorite. He's uh, ingratiated himself into the uh, royal. Royal, whatever yeah, the British ro- royalty, and his children are probably heirs to the throne. Apparently, at some point, he um, is hanging out with the Prince of Wales, mm. and uh, they're, they're having drinks. Yeah. and he gives the Prince of Wales, who's about to be king, I'm thinking at some point, a nickname. That he, that he says out loud and then he has to apologize for. Well, that's his protocol. He <laughs> calls the, uh, he calls William One Pint Willie. <laughs> and given his lightweight status at the bar. Mm. Meanwhile, this guy obviously is a rugby player, so as you and I both know, he enjoys the, the hop yeah. and the grape. And... Throwing dwarfs in Australia. <laughs> there you go. So now you're adding. That's the beauty of you. You're at, you're giving substance to Mike Tyndall. What else has he done? He's 45 years old. Well, I think that. Do you know how he got into the royal family? I'm assuming just uh, marrying someone. Yes, he did. He married yeah. uh, Princess Anne of, of uh, who lives in Scotland, whatever she is. Mm-hmm. Her daughter. Hmm. Zara, I think is her name. Zara, exactly. Yes, indeed. So he's pretty close to it. His children are twentieth you know, or nineteenth in line for the uh, for the queen. But whenever I hear, and I know you probably, I've got it. My favorite. When I hear the word queen, I always think of first. I don't know the guy's name. The guy who sings. Freddie, oh yeah, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. And the second thing is. A friend of mine, a very dear friend, maybe you knew him in your era. His name is Oppie. He played for Pack. He was a Fijian player. Mm-hmm. He was really fabulous. And he worked for me on occasion. Oppie or Abi? Oppie, A P I. Oppie, got it. So what happened to him is uh, on the Labor Day weekend, he asked uh, to work. And I said, uh, I said, no, I'm going out of town, Oppie. And he goes, the queen, let's drink. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so we left. And when I came back, he had died of a heart attack on the mall. After a rugby game. Incredible. And I just, I went to his um, funeral over there at Gawler's. It was, it was just a magnificent man. Mm. So nice. So gentle. We've got a few Fiji... Uh boys on the docket today but you're going to talk about the lock in jail final note final um, final bit Uh, Mr. Tyndall says coming from a sport where it's built on the social aspects and a couple of beers being sunk after the game (laughs) our friend um, (laughs) Prince of Wales he is uh, he is not 
Um, what's the word? Oh, we're gonna stop now. He's he's a lightweight. Well, sounds about right. He's a nice you know, specifically, yeah, that that he's not. Um, <laughs> he's not what. He's 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 just not a good drinker. No, he's a one pint willy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Do you know the national drink of Fiji? No. Kava. Kava. That's what the Fijians like. I love that. Uh, Let's remember all of this when we start talking about Fiji. Okay. Are you? Is there a topic? Next yeah. thing okay. is uh, razor. Hmm? Your man, my man, our man, Razor is taken over, and he is going to um, talk to us about a new way of selection. Whereas before, there was a panel of three specialists, including Grant Fox, an independent eye. Now what he wants to do... (coughs) excuse me, is to have um, basically clubs and whatever level the players are playing at, they bring to him their resumes or whatever they they bring to him their, um, you know, the person that they think should be um, should be um, you know, in the pool Right, it should be should be selected. Okay. Yeah, that's basically what it says. It's a bit weird, but it makes sense. Um, the selection of each player will be done by the coach. He explains. Leon McDonald will do the back three. Mm-hmm. Jason Holland will do twelve and thirteen. Scott Hansen will do nine and ten, and I'll do the loose forwards. And Jace Ryan will do the tight five. Okay. All I can say about them, I met both of them, and I actually have a signed all-black jersey just with razor on it. No way. Yeah. Incredible. Up at the French school. And at the time, they were coaching around the United States, you know, probably 10 years ago. And I went to the clinic, quote-unquote, and I talked and interviewed. I have an interview with uh, Razor, and I also... Uh, Talked to uh, Mr. Ryan, who was, uh, you know, I can see he was a pretty tough cookie. He's not a big man for the front row, but he's an expert in the technique. So both of those guys are, um, I don't want to say typical all-black material as coaches, but I will say typical all-black coaches material. Some more sound bites. They'll select them. I'll oversee it. Coro, Wayne Smith, will come in and have a word. I want them to select them and take ownership of that. We'll always get someone to cast a second set of eyes to make sure they're on track. There's an old saying about a camel being a horse designed by a committee. Or maybe too many cooks spoiling the broth. So there he is. He wants to make sure that that doesn't happen because there's so many cooks now, but each cook is making a little portion of the stew. Someone's cooking, someone's break, you know, uh, 
cutting the vegetables, someone's doing the broth, someone's doing the meat, someone's doing the thing, which I think is great. I think it's a good idea. So here we go. Especially because he says, quote unquote, from what you said, I'll be overseeing it. Yeah, of course. There you go. So, Razor, bringing in his brand. I don't, the only thing I can say about that is I can hardly wait to see what his success ratio is going to be. Okay. Now, exactly. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. All right, I'm going to read you something. Okay. Has the influence of rugby league damaged rugby union? Professionalism was always going to change rugby union. However, rugby union in the 70s and the 80s was all about space. League was all about collision. Player buck, a focus on defense, and tackle height have all seemed to have increasing, have all seemed to have increased, excuse me, owing to the influence of league. And all of these factors are highlighted as the reasons for an increase in the number and severity of injuries in union. David Campisi, one of my heroes, said that rugby union, we need to be creative, but we haven't got that anymore because of league. It's all about structure, structure, structure. And I think that's very sad. I think he's right on about that because, you know, of course, I believe that he may have played a little bit of league in his... Uh... Campo? Yeah. Oh, really? And, and I don't know that as a fact, but I know he's very, very familiar with the sport. But, you know, what? since I was playing, I mean, there was nothing. League was like, oh, my God, we had a player called Mitchell Cox, um, a really wonderful guy. I don't know if you remember him when he was playing for Washington. It was beyond my time, but he was there. And he had played. He was a Wallaby. And uh, he was also a rugby league. He was a dual international. Hmm. Uh, and his, with his brother, his brother, he had a brother, and his father was also a wannabe. Um, anyway, uh, that was as close a league as as we could get, and that was in the eighties, late eighties. Never heard much about it, but now the coaches, the influence of rugby league players, uh, coaches, is absolutely astounding. <laughs> For example, the new British and Irish Lions. Uh, um, Andy, Andy Farrell, former league player. Sean Edward, who does the defense of uh, France, former league player. International league players, not just league players. The guy, Sinfield, who coaches England, rugby league guy. So the influence of rugby league has to be highly influenced by these new coaches who've come in the last 25 years or so, and they're, in, they're involved with the the success of rugby union, but there has to be a lot of rugby league in it. In fact, the game is so much like rugby league right now, except for the scrums and the lineouts, which don't exist in uh, rugby league, that you might as well be watching rugby league, aka union. Hmm. So horrific. Yeah. It's, uh, so to, to to answer your question, do I think it's negative? I'm not sure if it's negative, but it's definitely an applied silence to um, to the union game. And again, I ask you why, 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 why? Now you said that Campo played a little bit of union, probably during his time he wanted to get paid a wee bit. 
So he goes in, excuse me, league. So he goes and plays rugby league. That's what people did who wanted to get paid. I don't understand. I'd have to look him up. I don't know if he actually played professionally. Well, at that time, there was no professional. Uh, I think that was union. the whole point of rugby league was being oh, professional. Yeah, they, were, they were being paid. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I have to Wikipedia the man. But I know that he's very, very familiar, as most Australians are, because rugby league is one of the most popular sports, if not the most popular sport in Australia. Hmm. Considering there's been, I don't know, 15 World Cups, and Australia's won 11. Jeez. Okay, John Howe, here we have an article that has 10 predictions. And I'm oh, going to uh, read you these, and then you just react. It. We might snooze the duck. Okay. On this one, because I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see how this goes, because it's interesting. Quake the quack. Quack. Okay. Here we go. Number one. Scott Robertson's All Blacks will finish the year as number one in the world. <laughs> what does that mean? Well. They're number three now, whatever, whoever's in front of them, uh, South Africa and freaking whale, who? Uh, Ireland? He says all of that is at the window. Number one is New Zealand, as it always was, and that is always should. I'm going to debate that one. Okay. He's got that going for First you. First of all, because I'm influenced heavily by the fact that, like Tyndall and Haskell, I'm not a particular fan of the All Blacks. Hmm. I love the fact that they're successful. I'm just not a big fan of this no dickheads allowed. The All Blacks will be on top of world rugby, is basically what he's saying, in 2024. This year, no rebuilding, no nothing, bam, right here, right now, bam, there it is. Okay, number two, John Howe. Mm -hmm. Wallabies start the new era under a mystery coach with defeat. With defeat? Yes. That means that they will lose to Wales. This person is predicting that the first test on home soil for the Wallabies will be Gatlin's-Wales, and they will lose that, that game. I think Australia will win that game. Okay. There you go. Number two, this is what he thinks, this person, whoever they are. Number three, ah, Springboks fall from grace. And don't say what does that mean. That means that they're not going to be number one anymore. South Africa is going to host New Zealand twice. And definitely New Zealand, this person says, is going to win one, maybe two. I disagree. Okay. So Springboks aren't going to be the darlings with the Captain Underpants anymore. Number four. Stephen Larkham, my hero, yeah. your friend, is going to be Australia's third coach in as many years. He's certainly up there, but I think that they're leaning toward this guy, Joe Schmidt, hmm. for some reason. Yeah. But I'd actually like to see, believe it or not, Mr. Repeat, Michael Cheka. Yeah. But I think they need an Australian coach. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective, um, I wouldn't connect, uh, you know... I wouldn't cast away Stephen Larkham. I would sort of embrace Stephen Larkham. So, exactly as you said, 
former All Blacks assistant coach Joe Schmidt and Michael Checa are both in the running. However, Larkham is in Australia and he is interested. Well, what about Checa? He lives in Australia. He's Australian. Uh, that's what the guy says. Maybe he's, maybe he's been around because, you know, he's from Lebanon. So he could be... He, but anyway, I, you know what I'd like to find out about Michael Checa? Mm-hmm. He, he owns himself, or his family, his company, a world-acclaimed um, fashion industry. I don't know what he does, but that's how he's... He, that's what he did after he played rugby. You know, he made his whatever fortune. Fortune. All right. Uh, number five. Wallabies will shock the All Blacks in Sydney's Bledisloe Cup. Yes. This year. Yep. Okay, you agree with them. Um, I mean, let me just sort of preface this. Uh-huh. Australia has some, not a lot, some good even better players than most people think. They just haven't gelled. Mm-hmm. So, and they've had the they've had the what you would call a handicap. <laughs> Are you talking about Eddie Joe? <laughs> yes, I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number six. Cortez Ratima and Ruben Love are going to make their all-black debuts. Ruben Love, for sure. Um, obviously, they're going to be the normal, uh, what do you call it, the list of... Uh, I mean, for me, I think the all-blacks are, all are really suspect at centers. So I think Ruben Love is you know, a center, but I'm not quite sure. If, uh, but, but I know he's really, I think he plays for the... I don't want to get in a lot of trouble, but I'll tell you, you can see that people are demanding a little bit of independence because your best friend, uh, Will Jordan, Mm. has said he prefers and would like to play fullback. Interesting. So for him to to say he wants means that he's he's sort of, I think, uh, dueling with another of your favorite, uh, Bowden Barrett. Hmm. Because obviously, well, this Cortez Ratima is the halfback. So, and by the way, Ruben Love plays for the Hurricanes. Um, I I like, I love, um, who would you say? Bowden Barrett? No. Um, the fullback, who wants to play fullback? Will Jordan. Will Jordan, I love him. Yeah. Right. He's got speed. He's very good. For fullback. He doesn't have speed for wing. But his position of choice is fullback. Well, that's what he wants. And that's where he plays. But he used to play on the wing. No, they stick him out on the wing like New Zealand does with a lot of guys. Exactly. So I, I like the fact that he will play fullback, and I hope that they find uh, Bowden a new spot. Hmm. I hope he actually... I like Bowden Barrett. Yeah. I actually hope that he puts Bowden down. Because I think he's good enough. Bowden's a little slicker. Hmm. But this guy is undigested stuff. He's we haven't seen a lot of what he can do. Hmm. Number seven, John Howe. Michael Hooper is going to be back with the Wallabies. He's going to be back in the fold. He might be because he was supposed to play in the sevens 
because he had declared himself eligible to play for Australia in the Olympics. But one would have expected him to play in the Perth leg of the HSBC 7th. But the coach of Australia, I think his name is Menenti, Menenti uh, has said that uh, he's not quite ready, so he won't be appearing where everybody thought at the Perth uh, series. Hmm. So that goes to, I think Michael Hooper is a very influential rugby player throughout Australia. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a hardest working. Uh... And the idea that Eddie Jones said that he would be, he's not really a very good influence on the upcoming youth is just balderdash. It is balderdash because Eddie Jones is balderdash. <laughs> All right, number eight. We've got only two more left. Okay. New Zealand sevens fail in the Olympic gold. This guy says there's no way that um, New Zealand is going to win a gold medal. I, I think that it's a 50-50 chance. New Zealand, I don't care what you say about them in sevens, they're good. Of course they are. That's why it's a, that's why it's a, a point to be reckoned with when he says this. That, I mean, that who else is going to compete against? The only two, South Africa is okay. Argentina is really won everything in the last year in terms of... Don't sleep on France and Dupont. Uh, Don't sleep France, on them. France has a, a, a kind of a an awkward style, in my opinion. In seven? Yeah. No. Um, because they have a little awkward style, they don't pass the same way, they don't they don't run the angles that uh, in Union that Anglo-Saxons do. So they're 50-50. Uh, Argentina is 50-50, New Zealand is 50-50, and, I'm, and I, I don't doubt that Fiji or what Samoa, Samoa's been doing really well, could pop in there. So that's They're coming a, back. That's All right. a tough one. Number nine, Marcus Smith is going to thrive in Owen's absence, or in Farrell's absence. Well, I'll tell you right now what I think. George Ford is who Steve Borthwick wants to play. And be captain. Number 10 for England. Yeah. And be captain. And be captain. But he's hurt. So Marcus Smith, who may or may not be brilliant, we haven't seen his best. We've seen his worst, but we haven't seen his best. He may well do, but I, let me tell you in advance, England will not fare well in the Six Nations. Hmm. And finally, well, let me put this in the form of a question to you. Who do you think is going to be the next All Blacks captain? Well, I personally have never liked Sam Kane as captain. I have liked Artie Savea. So I think Artie Savea is the natural guy because he's actually really, really good at his position, and there's not anybody else who could say they are as good, which is not the case of Sam Kane. Scott Barrett will be named the All Blacks' next captain. Could be, but the problem with Scott Barrett is he's, he, as good as he is, he gets a lot of red cards. Indeed, that's true. Okay. Uh, we're going to move to Wales, and we're going to move to England. England and Wales. Okay. Kind of close to each other. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this gentleman by the name of Faye Wasobo. Faye Wasobo. Yes. Is he related to 
Love Joy Chaturanga? No, but he's, uh, he likes wasabi. Oh, okay. Uh, he chose to pull himself out of Wales contention and put himself in the England pool. I think that's about right. Not because of rugby. This is the this is the exciting part. This gentleman thinks there's more to life than rugby, even professional rugby, and he wants to be a doctor. He want, he didn't get into University of Cardiff. In in University of Cardiff's medical school, and so he um, has chosen to put himself in in the England um, team selection, and will play there and then go to university in England to become a doctor. It doesn't sound right to me, but it's a contentious position uh, for England. Oh. A wing, the wing position. I think he plays wing. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, no, no. I I don't think he thinks he's going to get in. What he's saying is I'm not going to play for bloody Wales. Oh, okay. He's just saying I'm putting myself... Up for selection, should I be selected, but I'm not going to play for Wales. Let me read to you exactly what it says here. He doesn't want to start all over again on his long-term goal of being a doctor. Having failed to get into Cardiff University, despite achieving the required grades, he then started studying at Aston University before Wasps went to the wall. So wherever Wasps play, Aston University is there and he went there. It's a decision that the young man has made, and it, people give him credit. Um, he's looking for, he's putting his life after, after rugby first. So, I love that. I think that um, anytime you have ambitions to be a doctor which will help people, right. it's grand. I think this gentleman is a moron. Wasabi? Yeah. Because he should be playing for Wales, because he'll get into and they can go back and be in, in another university, not Cardiff. Um, I think he's pissed. I think he is too. But I mean, why wouldn't he get into Cardiff University? He didn't. I mean, you know, if he's really a, a great rugby player who might be a Welsh international, right? You would think that would give him the edge to get into a university like Cardiff University. Hmm. Look, so at, you. Really Look sure. at you! Look at you! Yes, yes, John Howe, yes. I mean, these are just my ideas. It comes well, that, that's why you're here, John, for your ideas. Yeah. It's not because of your good looks that you're here. Yeah, please let it be. Ask Jeff Shoemaker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there he is again. And the whole thing was prefaced by saying that the, the, the red jersey doesn't mean anything. To a lot of these people, we're used to no bloody colored jersey means anything. What means things to them is money. You're absolutely and, right. And that's sadness of that. I also think, even if this guy was aspiring to be a Welsh international, I think Wales is going to really endure a traumatic Six Nations. But I think they'll finish ahead of England. That's just my opinion, of course. And as you said, this is a show for my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that for Wales to neglect this guy is probably because they have players who are much better. 
and the University of Cardiff is working hand in hand with the Welsh Rugby Union and saying, well, since you're not such a good winger, we're not going to let you in to go to university to become a doctor? Well, that's, I think, is a little bit obscene. But I, yeah. right. you know, my, my theory is that if you are a, quote, an ambitious rugby international for Wales, you know, in the, uh, what are the admission uh, team looks at your CV and says, hmm, this guy wants to be a doctor. He's got pretty good grades. Or he plays rugby, and he could play on the university side, and he could also maybe even be a Welsh international. How much more he would be in JPR's shadow, uh, uh, you know? And so I think a long that, shadow. Yeah, I would think if I were on the selection committee, I would say, "Oh, let's get this guy." All right. So, so something to it that we don't. Know. Yes. Very good. Now, you talked about your Fijian friend. The next two stories are about Fiji. Uh, is it just about this guy in jail? No. Okay. Uh, you you like the macabre, if you will. Uh, I mean, how I often do how often do Fiji internationals get sent to prison for I don't know whatever it is they do assaulting three people in a mm. pub? Wow! You must have done something. Huh. Not, I'm not interested in the macabre. I'm interested in the strangeness of the thing. Well, there you go. However, uh, that that is not. Our story. Well, it should be. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> okay. Former flying Fijian head coach, you know him. Wasabi, he's trying to get some... Rai Walui. Simon Rai Walui. Oh, yeah, Rai yeah, coach. Yeah. He's talking about Jerry Tuwai. Wonderful guy. Bravo. Jerry Tuwai pissed off the Fijian... New, I'm going to go with sevens coach, or it could have been 15. I don't know. Uh, the coach, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher their names. The coach said oh, yeah, the player is, <laughs> the coach said the player is fantastic. Oh, He's done Jerry more for, yeah, he is fantastic. Exactly. So, however, um, he was told that he, Cannot be part of the squad. Tuai, in the weekend, opened up about his absence from the sevens program after coach Ben Gollings told reporters that the, after the team training in Sigatoka on Friday, that Tuai was no longer part of his squad and he had to play in local tournaments to be considered in the team. That's another so strange. There's more to it than we know. There you go. So then he says, what if we see something that is taking down our performance? Should we keep our mouths shut and let everything go on down the drain? So basically he must have criticized our friend. Ben Gollings? Gollings. And he said, well, that's it for you. You're going to go down and come back up. That sounds like these new coaches, like Eddie Jones. If you don't agree with them, you're out. I think that this guy Razor is really going to be open to a lot of the stuff that players in other nations have been, um, you know, tormented and discarded. But uh, we'll see, I suppose. He's made many sacrifices, our friend, and he says, referring to Gollings, Tuai said, he's a good man and a great human being, but the task that is given to him 
is more than he can handle. So there's the rub. I have to look up and see where Jerry Tawai is. I think he's, I mean, his name is very familiar. You know, he plays sevens, but I think he plays on their union team, too. Bob's your uncle. Um, anyway, so he's been told that that's it for you, and... You're so, talking about macabre, strangeness. You're, like, coming up with these negative guys, like Simon Baby or whatever the guy is from Wales. Simon you know, Baby. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, I, it, this, it's not as macabre as you're... Oh, no, no, absolutely. Talking but about people like, going uh, to jail because they're being inappropriate. Suffice it to say, my good friend, that Fiji is in a wee bit of trouble. Whether it's sevens, whether it's fifteens, whatever the hell this Gullings guy is coaching, whichever team he's coaching, he doesn't like any players saying anything when he's coaching. I'm thinking. Well, we'll so see. Weird, isn't it? And then we have one more Fiji uh, story. Uh, let's see what this one has on offer for you. Um, Can I interrupt you for a second, please. This discussion that you've just brought out hmm. has just forced something to rise up within me. Hmm. And when we talked about... Is it bile? Has <laughs> your bile come up? Uh, it, it, it's, yeah. it's imaginary bile. Bile, imaginary bile. Um, it just tells me that forget Fiji in the sevens. If they're disrupted in this, they've only got a 40% chance of, with the Olympics a year away um, of getting their... What meant whatever their camaraderie and atmosphere back, even despite their fantastic rugby World Cup in Korea. Wow! And uh, that's what this guy said. He sat there and he watched and he and he uh, what's the word? He rejoiced. Okay, final one, Serevi. Yeah, I've heard something. He's going to try to coach. There you go. He wants to coach fifteen somehow. He watched the World Cup and saw on the field the game of 15s and said, hey, I like to think about this a little bit. And uh, he would like to either coach the Fijian women, Fijian Dura, the rooster chicken Fijian Dura women, whoever they are, or be involved. No, that's the, yeah, okay, that's their... You know, in the Super Rugby thing, the, the Druids of uh, Fiji have their own team in that. You know, it's like, uh, it's like women's too, women and men's. Okay. Um, Applications for the flying Fijian coach position will close on January 12th. John Howe, yesterday, while the Fijian Dura head coach position closed on, this, closed on December 18th, 2023. So we don't know who the coaches are unless you know. You know, I don't, but I just love Serevi. He was just the most magnificent sevens guy I ever saw in my life. He's a very good sevens player, and I just don't know why he would even put his name in the hat. To be there. He might as well be... Uh, uh, we have another guy, Dumbo, who puts his <laughs> his name in the hat for all sorts of international. Sure, he does. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we would be remiss. I'm not talking about JPR. Yes. So, John Peter Rice. Tell us 
a little story that you have of, of John Peter Rise and you when the, when the uh, London Welsh came over with a bunch of people, a bunch of real good people. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. In fact, uh, at my parents' home, three internationals, not to talk about it, stayed there. One was British and Irish Lions' Michael Roberts, second was Welsh international Jim Shanklin, whose son is Tom Shanklin, and the other one is Di Reese, who came back to play with the Denver Barbarians a year or so later, because he had such a good time. So just to quickly tell, to put this in perspective for our one listener, not Jeff Shoemaker, <laughs> um, this uh, London Welsh come to the United States in what year? 76. 76. And you play against them for the Denver Barbarians. No. It was a selection of side for the Eastern Rockies. Eastern Rockies. And you played against the, the select side against London Welsh. Right. Okay. okay and then these guys had to say what was so amazing about this. The coach was Steve, um, gosh, Fuller, Irish international. Not he was an international Irish guy, medical doctor, um, who was involved with chess. Your, your team? Yeah, the coach of this one. Of your team? No, no. Of, of this, London Welsh? No, of this Eastern Rockies. Okay, right. That's what I meant. The team you were playing um, and me. Yes. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. I, I believe anything you say, John. Uh, I said, uh, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I knew that these guys were really good. And the coach, and I don't, it was a, we had a New Zealand guy too. I don't know what his name was, Kevin something. I think he may have said, you know, don't let these guys run up the score. And I think the captain of the team said, run up the score. They'll be lucky if we don't run the score up on them. Ooh. So American. That's so American. And I thought to myself, is this guy mad? And it was, uh, you know, it was like all the players said, yeah, that's right. Mm. You know, they, just like it's so American, they really thought they were better than these guys. Mm. Only I knew, having played for London Irish and played in England, I... I I said, these guys are a lot more hardcore than you than you think. But anyway, so they ended up winning, I don't know, 40 to 5 or something like that. London Welsh beat yeah. your selecting 40 to 5. 40 these to guys five. were mouthing off, were coming off the field with uh, in absolute disbelief. I mean, you talk about bringing it down a notch. They were brought down at 10 notches right there. Um, anyway, so we had the internationals on. You had the 1987... Wales Rugby World Cup coach, Tony Gray. He was like 35 at the time. You know, I guess he was... He was playing. He was playing. Very, very good. I mean, I think he was also a Welsh international. Uh, you had... Uh, JPR, of course. JPR. Fullback? Yes. In that game, yes. Alan Lewis, British and Irish Lion. at scrum half. Um, and was it his brother also playing? Yeah, his brother's also a doctor. JPR's brother. Yes. Have I ever said, I've sent you the program yeah, before. I've yeah. seen the program. So, uh, I don't, but I don't think you've seen all the players, the bios no. of the players. No. Um, I will do that so, so that you can kind of look at these guys and see what I thought was so astounding when I looked at the over the weekend was uh, how educated they were. I mean, his brother was at Cambridge Medical School, as were, I think, one or two other guys. And, and this was London Welsh of 76. Yes. This was at the time. time. 
Yes, I mean, you had four, four internationals and two British, three British, Irish Lions. Incredible. I mean, yeah. The idea that an American guy would think that we're going to beat them and go out there with the attitude, run up the score on us, we're going to run up the score on them. Um, it's crazy. So, uh, they, so they, embarrassed. they stayed, some of them stayed with you and your parents' house. And there was another story. Did he not uh, screw his stud into your toe? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm not 100% sure it was him, but he was the last man there. Hmm. When I, JPR. Yeah, because when I made the break, oh, the break. For, an inter, for an interception, which was very lucky. You know, when you're playing center, I was 30 yards away from the rucks. They didn't have the amount of rucks that they have now. So I could see that the ball, I think, was picked up by the uh, number eight, and then he passed, and the, and, I, and the scrub half must have passed in this. Anyway, I knew, I saw that they weren't looking. They were just passing it. So, of course, I stepped in, knowing that guy was going to be just pass the ball out to the wing or whoever was outside of him, and I so you were responsible for the four points. You scored that points. try. Three points. You scored that try. Yes. Probably. Like, uh, it was probably 50 or 60 yards, but I know that the last guy there would have been JBR chasing me because it was, you know, it was a long break. So, of course, when I got there, I was totally exhausted. I mean, I was, there was no oxygen left in my brain. And, much like today. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so I, I kind of, you know, some people were coming and cheering around. It was a little bit. And, you know, the Welsh guys, I mean, they were kind of, you know, surprised. And the next thing I didn't see face-to-face, -face, but in the, you know... When in you the score, melee. When you score a try, yes. it, their players are there and your players aren't. Right. That was the interception. So whatever happened, and I didn't discover it until probably midway after that try was that my boot was soaking wet. And I, you know, I touched it, it was weather. And it was, um, it was bloody. Because hmm. I remembered the incident when somebody had kind of come up after the try, maliciously stomped on my foot. Hmm. And the studs were an inch long. So it had gone through my boot, through my toe, and I was in pain. Look at you. So I always uh, attributed to, to uh, JPR. JPR because he was the last guy there. First guy to get to me. Well, rest in peace, JPR. You're wonderful. Uh, yeah, wonderful guy. All right, John. Thanks. Thank you so much for this week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Bye.